Hey everyone, it's me, Sean Capri, with WeTheNerdy.com, and this is We The GamerCast. It's a new rebooted format of We The GamerCast, and thank you so much for having a listen. Uh, I'm going to have a really quick intro. I just basically spent the last four or five hours stitching this episode back together again. After finishing my my Skype call with Sean Messler from We The Nerdy, uh, my computer crashed, and I was left with little six-second snippets of the entire conversation. So I basically have spent the last few hours kind of stitching it all back together, and I think it works. I, I've done, I've listened to it basically once or twice over, uh, so I hope that you like it as well. Um, so yeah, sorry for this sort of abbreviated little intro, um, but yeah, well, let's just jump right into it. Here is Sean Messler from WeTheNerdy.com. So, like, what are you playing right now? Like, if you weren't doing this, what would you, what would you start to play? Fallout Four. I mean, that's all I've been playing for the last. Like, <laughs> um, it's it's consumed me. Like, th- th- I mean, it's just what Bethesda games do to me. It's like, I I I have incredible OCD where I go and I say, oh, there's an outline of something over there. I'm going to walk to it and discover it, and then if I can go into it, I will. Uh, and that's just what I've been doing. Like I, like I haven't even touched the story quest in like three days. So it's so funny because everybody I've been talking to who has been playing it has said the exact same thing. Like I'm having a great time. I'm looking everywhere for everything. I'm having a blast doing all these other things. I haven't touched a story. And like as soon as I hear people say it, it's like just do what you're doing. You are gonna have an absolute blast. Just keep doing that. Stay away from the story. Um, I, well, I mean, look, the good thing is like you can, like, I know in Fallout 3, if you finish the story, you, you were locked out of the rest of the game until they added the DLC, but in this one, they don't. So if I wanted to, I could wrap up the story, but then I have a, I have a feeling that once I put this game down, I'm not going to go back to it. Um, as much as I do enjoy it, it's not Skyrim for me. Skyrim was a game I went back to for the, for two years and I put in over 300 hours. Um, but Fallout, you know, maybe if I'll get the DLC, I really, really enjoy the game. It's, it's, I really enjoy, I just enjoy Bethesda's, uh, world design and stuff like that. Like, uh, I, I wish, you know, obviously I have the same complaints as everybody else. I wish the animations were a little bit better. Um, you know, you would think that they would have cleaned it up a little bit, but, you know, I mean, it's cleaned up a little bit, but it's still ugly as sin when you look at people's faces <laughs> and stuff. Uh, the world, Excuse me. The world itself is really, really gorgeous. Like, I I love being mm-hmm. in it and I love exploring it. And I feel like it's it's less brown than Fallout Three was. Yeah, I didn't really get into just like hanging out in Fallout Three. Like, I never I got the sense of accomplishment as I was going through all the quests and like it was kind of I'd never seen anything quite like that before. Uh, but with Fallout Four, I actually just kind of enjoyed just starting the game just kind of like walking around it's it's a game with a ton of walking and i didn't even mind it a little bit the map you know, is obviously, so big it's huge. it's huge and normally i would go like well that's not enough for me to like a game but that is a, a like a bullet point on the back of the box this game is massive 
Yeah, and well, I mean, like we, you know, I've talked about it before. You know, like anyone who knows me knows I'm very vocal about the uh, gameplay versus uh, versus gameplay versus you know uh, story and all that other stuff. And uh, if if a game like The Witcher Three, I didn't like The Witcher Three because the gameplay wasn't fun and the story was okay. Like it was good. There was parts that were fantastic and then there's parts that weren't good at all and you have to slog through them. Um, and I feel like everybody's way too talkative, way too many dialogue, like way too, way too many lines of dialogue. And, um, so I just, I don't know. I just kind of butted up against the game. The gameplay just turned me off in fallout. I feel like, the exploring and discovering new places is part of the gameplay that is fun. And the combat is fine because you can use vats. Um, you know, the, the one, there are parts of the game I don't like. Like I don't like the settlement building. I don't like the crafting. Uh, I, I don't think I've upgraded. I don't think I've crafted a, f- like a full weapon upgrade like yet. Oh really? Yeah. Like I've, I've been just buying. I just I just come across better weapons and then I use that weapon until I find another weapon. Uh, I might like change something, but it's just I don't want to bother with all the junk. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, it's just too, if the encumbrance it, it's it's also the encumbrance system. The encumbrance is just too much. Like you're too low, and it's just I don't know, man. That's kind of what kept me from picking up new weapons, though, was the encumbrance. It was like, well, that's going to be a good 15, 20 pounds if it's anything worthwhile. Well, so I'll just go upgrade. I'll kind of – whatever I'm finding ammo for, I'll just keep upgrading that weapon. I'll just – I'll stick with that. I, I just throw um, – I just give it to Piper. She's my companion. I just say – Oh, yeah. I just say, hey, get that. And she picks it up and then if I want to use it, I'll use it and I'll swap it out with something else. Uh, I, um, I wound up, uh, well, I don't know, man, like, I don't want to, like, I feel like there's other things I'd rather sink my, my experience points into than, than gun nut and armor, you know what I mean? Like, yep. those are things I'm just not into, and I'd probably, if I was going to do bo- either or, I'd probably do the, um the armor perk the the armor perk i it's so funny too i was playing this game for hours i'm talking like days and days and days and yesterday i came across an enemy that i had not encountered yet it was like a brute like this superhuman like super mutant but like massive like a giant and it was was he one of the giant creatures like there's a trophy for if you kill five giant creatures and i didn't get that after 70 hours of gameplay. Um, there's five of them because I only killed – I killed, you know, a Meyer Lurk Queen. I killed several yep. of those. Um, and then a Brute. I killed one of the Brutes. And I didn't – I haven't come across anything else that's been super massive, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, no, I haven't seen a Brute yet. That's, see, that's crazy. That's what – like it was just some random thing and I was just wandering along and I came across this riverbank. And it was there, and I just shot it with. Um, I have a uh, missile launcher that that has a twenty percent chance of of, uh, of uh, crippling them. So mm-hmm. I just shoot that, and then they can't follow me anymore. Then I just pick them off with like something that I have a lot of bullets for. So that's definitely like my favorite thing. The best thing about Fallout, I mean, it's not even any. It's not anybody's single experience. It's that when you put a group of even just two of us in the same room or talking to each other everybody's going to have a totally, totally different experience. Like I'm watching my wife play it and she's doing something like she'll spend a day 
just building her settlement. And to her, that's like the best game in the world. And then I really liked enjoying like building up my weapons and, and making sure that I always had the best version of a pistol ever. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, and then other people just like making sure that they've hit all four corners of the map. Especially because one of the corners is like the probably the most intriguing part of the game if if you've hit that part of the story, um, but I won't spoil that. But I mean, like, I when I finished the story, I felt like I had like quote unquote completed the game, and especially with so many other things to play, it was like that was that was my I'm done with the game. Yeah, and and it's too bad because like it's so good, and I love talking about it, and I enjoyed pretty much my whole time there was definitely a point in there where i was like "Mm, there are other games that do some of these things a little bit better and so i i kind of left the game on a bit of a sour note but i enjoyed most of my time leading up to that you know yeah no and and the thing is it's funny because like um i i did my game of the year list for we the nerdy uh i had it done pretty pretty early uh before like probably about a a week after a week uh like the week of christmas and I probably would have changed my order if I had gotten as far as I would. I would have probably placed this above Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, on my list, Rise of the Tomb Raider was number three. This was number four. I probably would have bumped this up to number three and bumped Rise of the Tomb Raider down to number four. Um, I'm just because I'm enjoying my time with it. And every time I get to this point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to wrap it up. And then I see something else. And I'm like, oh, like this is like I went into this like um, – this um quarry yesterday or this morning and the it started getting these weird flashbacks of the people that were there before they turned into like feral ghouls it was really really neat oh yep and then uh so i did that thing and it was just like that's what i'm saying like these kind of things that happen in the game that it's just like you know there's no quest for it it's just like i mean maybe there's a quest that i stumbled across this early but it's just it was just really cool so um i think that that's maybe like it's it's best part and it's maybe the thing that's holding it back a lot is that it does side quests so well and there's so much like story built around you go into this house and there's a basement full of these people and the family had died and they turned into feral ghouls or whatever that story was like that is just as good if not better than any of the actual story missions so that when you finally go ahead and do a story mission it's like well, that's that, like, I don't know. It should be shinier, maybe. Like, it should have, there should be a bigger deal about it. Um, it just does side missions so well that the main kind of like channel that you're supposed to go through is less spectacular than you might want it to be. Or for me, anyway. Well, I found that, I mean, I've played three Bethesda games. I played Fallout 3, Skyrim, and this, and, oh no, and, and New Vegas. And I, New, Vegas, New Vegas was yep. the one that had the best, uh, story campaign, but, uh, the three main games, and that wasn't even made by Bethesda, but the uh, three Bethesda games I played, the side stuff has always been more interesting than the actual story itself. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just really, really like the game. I, the uh, I, I just can't believe how much stuff there is in it. Like, I keep walking <laughs> and going, shit, there's something else over here. Like, I'm constantly discovering new places, and it's just crazy. Uh, like, I am going to start going through... I do like... Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm deciding who I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna stick with the railroad, aside with the railroad. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to the institute yet. I'm right at the part where you build the thing to teleport into the institute. But, uh, the, I don't know, man. I, I think I'm gonna go with the railroad and then 
because but the thing is I really like having the brotherhood show up and help me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like where I'm just sitting there getting to a shootout and all of a sudden you hear the the whirly bird come and fucking shoot, you know, shooting laser <laughs> at the fucking super mutants or the raiders and stuff. It's super super cool. Yeah, so I really really like Fallout. Yeah, like I I try to tell people if they're kind of like at that point of making the decision what what faction am I going to go with? Like I this is another thing for me and I think it happened with a lot of people with Batman as well where my experience started to suffer because I was going for like I'm on I'm on track for a platinum. I have to actually go back and just put in the hours now to do it, but I've got the save points all in the right places like and I've completed um the right trophies at this point Uh to to get the platinum and i don't have to go through a second playthrough but i think that that's where things start to go downhill for me because my first path was with a faction that i didn't 100 align with and so it wasn't i was just kind of like going through the motions and i didn't really believe in their cause so when people are like you and they're like i'm not sure what i want to go with like i stress i've been there i've gone with the faction i didn't really think was the best and it it actually like kind of ruin my enjoyment of the game but i think that there is something to be said where there's one that their morals or whatever their cause aligns nicely with yours mm-hmm. and those people will enjoy the story way more than than my experience with it the uh i, I mean i'm pretty i'm pretty i'm not i'm not wishy-washy on this i i just i like what the railroad believes in and stuff as far as right now i haven't seen them do anything like crazy um but I'm looking forward to uh, helping them out. Uh, the, the Minutemen bother me because their whole mission is just go fucking like it's all about building settlements, and I and I just don't enjoy doing that. So um, mm-hmm. basically, like I've let they're like go help, go help, uh, you know, some settlement from being attacked, and I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> like I just let them get attacked. <laughs> They'll be fine. I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't care. Uh, it's just, again, I don't like the crafting. I don't like having to have, and this is a problem I have with the, with the Witcher, is I don't like having to have these stupid components all the time. And if they didn't weigh anything, I would be okay with it. But some of these things weigh a lot, and it's like, fuck, man. I, like, I guess I could have Piper pick up the stuff, but that's just not what I'm playing that for, so. Uh, totally, you know. So yeah, Fallout Four is is the the main game I've been playing. I did, I did. Uh, do you feel like anything's pulling you away from it at all? Like, I don't know. Do you have that? Like, I'm a little neurotic when it comes to my gaming. Like, I'll, I'll be playing something and totally enjoying it, and I'll have another game on the shelf, and it's like talking to me. Like, why aren't you playing me? No, you got me for Christmas too. Nothing like that. Um, I well, like you can just dive in and and totally ignore everything else. I bought Disney Infinity and I have the figures sitting there and I and I want to play it and that's that's basically like my treat, my palate cleanser for when I finish Fallout. But mm-hmm. um, no, I mean I'm I'm not. That's not how I am. Uh, I'm very rarely do I not finish a game once I start it. It's harder this year because so there were so many open world games and the timing wasn't right and I and I rent a lot of my games from Gamefly so I have to I in order for me to get the most of my membership, I try to get the games back to Gamefly as as quickly as possible. So I uh I started Mad Max, I started Fall uh, Assassin's Creed, I started um that's yeah. That's about it. And then uh, I also have to do uh, Dying Light, which I bought when it came out a year ago. And mm-hmm. then I was playing that. But then in February was a lot of reviews started happening for us on We the Nerdy, yep. and so I had to stop playing Dying Light. And then uh, Bloodborne came out, and then that was it. <laughs> like it just it just 
took over my life. I did jump on a Bloodborne last week uh, to help somebody out because um, they were, you know, just kind of guiding them through through the uh, through the can't like through through the uh, old Yarnum, you know. So I wanted, oh yeah, I wanted to help them out a little bit. But yeah, that was that was it. But I mean, Bloodborne, I could very easily get if I started really really diving into it. I would I would probably go back to Bloodborne, uh, but. I want to kind of, I want to have some time between Bloodborne and Dark Souls Three, so I'm hope I'm only going to go back into Bloodborne if somebody needs needs help. Um, I wanted like I didn't know, I didn't listen to anything you had done really prior to Bloodborne. Uh, I know you were on a podcast. Was it called uh, Rated M or something like that? What was your podcast before uh, Game Over? I M? was I was one I was I was a, a host of a show called Rated M for Podcast. Uh, with Rory and this guy Drew Freeman, uh, who, who did write for We the Nerdy and then he, he bounced and then I think he's coming back to do like some contribution stuff. Uh, but we were on a show together and then, um, that was, that was, you know, that was, <laughs> I, I was basically fired from that show because apparently a lot of people didn't like my, uh, my personality, uh, because, and the thing is like, and I mean, this is the same thing. If you, you know, you listen to We the Nerdy and anybody who listens to this doesn't listen to, uh, who, uh, Game Over Man. I'm very opinionated and I'm very, um, educated on my opinions. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I like to challenge people's opinions if they aren't informed. And I like to just be informed. I think it just makes for a better conversation if people can have an informed, opinion on what they're talking about and i i'm very skeptical of the pr that comes out of you know these corporations mouths and a lot of people don't like that they like to you know no one wants to hear anything negative about anything that they like and it's not necessarily saying it's bad you know because i like i've said before i love my xbox one i'm just not really a fan of microsoft and it's like it's not it's nothing against uh, – they made a great machine and I love playing games on it. It's just the, 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 the nonsense that comes out of their mouth and, and it's just it just bothers me. And I've just been really fascinated with, uh, with uh, how this generation has been going because I want to see how it plays out from when the initial reveal of the Xbox One. And, uh, and I know a lot of people, you know, think it doesn't matter, but it does matter because, you know, here's the thing, like – if if the Xbox One had done what they had gone through with what they were going to do and had sold 30 million, 35 million units like PlayStation 4, um, that would be a bad thing for games, I think, because of the restrictions that that console had. And I think, like, I want to see how Microsoft ends this generation having gotten so blasted for trying to have those policies you know what i mean and so Mm -hmm. i talk about that a lot and i talk from a a place like that and like and i know people think it's like this fanboy thing but it's not it's like it's i really 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 am empathetic towards towards gamers and i worked at a game store and i saw i saw people from low income come in and try their you know and want to play video games and a lot of them were buying used games and i think used games are very very important to keep gaming alive and keep gaming going and it's and i think a lot of people don't think about that they think about oh well you know i want to support the developer 
I want to support the developer. And I'm like, well, that's cool that you want to support the developer. Buy the new game. No one's saying that you couldn't. You shouldn't. If you don't want to trade in, don't. But don't take it away from somebody else who wants to and can do that and uses that as a way to experience video games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you do you think that, like, would we have seen a more digital – would we be more into the digital era now? Now, what is it, two years later uh, than we would have – because it was really the restrictions were really on physical games. Do you, like would we see a different landscape now? Maybe more into digital, or are we there anyways? Um, I think I don't know. I mean, it. I mean, it's 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 hard to say because people rejected it so outright. And PlayStation's message was mm-hmm. you can play used games, and I know I I firmly believe they were going to go the same route as Microsoft, but they, unlike Microsoft, actually heard what people were saying. And said, we can't do this. And Microsoft just kind of tried to force it anyway. And uh, that's why a lot of people look down, look, look back, think badly about Microsoft because they ignored what the consumer was saying. And um, so I don't know because people are adopting digital. And I think that should be the way it goes. I think it should be an optional organic thing. If people want to mm-hmm. adapt – uh, adopt an, a, a di- an all digital platform for their console, then go go right ahead. But I feel like there should be options. I don't feel like physical should go away because, uh, you know, because people feel some sympathy for the developers. I feel more sympathy for the gamer. I want the gamer to be able to play games, and I don't. I the developer mm. get their gets their money. The publisher gets their money. Uh, what some people don't understand is every every game you buy in a retail store was paid for by the um, the retailer. retailer, yeah, the retailer bought yeah. all those copies, so the so the publisher is getting that money, and that's why they what what there's pre order culture is. The more pre orders they have, the more copies that the retailer is going to buy of that game. So people who don't pre order, they're not really helping the system. You know what I mean? Just do it. It's just it's not really a big deal. Like I understand that these people think. I understand that you know some games release broken and stuff like that. That has very. I've been very fortunate that that hasn't really been my experience. But you are helping more if you if you buy in advance. Even if you you know there, there's nothing that says you have to pick up your game on day one. You can pre-order and then still wait for to see if the game gets patched and all this other stuff and then pick up your copy of the game, your money's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. I just feel like people the, the the have this feeling like developers are altruistic and stuff and they're not. They're, they're, they're there to make money, which is fine. And I totally respect that, but I'm also here to save money. Well, totally. And it's this new age of, is this, we're in a weird place right now. It's almost like a bit of a transition where Microsoft clearly wasn't, listening to what people were saying yet at the same time like they well microsoft and sony have and nintendo too with reggie they've got personalities now people who you can become buddies with who you who you maybe see a little bit of yourself in and so it's become a much more personal relationship and and like on a on maybe a superficial level it's like people think that they're buddies with with phil spencer or shuhei or with or with reggie and so the fanboyism is taken to like a whole new level because their friend is going to be personally affected whether or not they're actually going to jump in on their on their console. That already on top of whatever feelings people get by throwing down three or four hundred dollars, or in Canada it's like a thousand dollars because our dollars are shitty. Um, 
So like, yeah, so everything's kind of like compounded. So I want to go back to, um, I, I don't know how you get sort of like excited about games and then like, what was your hype? Back? We'll use Bloodborne as, as an example because I know that you love that game. Like, were you excited before it came out and then it were kind of like confirmed by the gameplay or did that come out of nowhere for you? It was a complete surprise. I expected fully 100% to hate it. So why did you, I'm interested in like, what makes you kind of like jump in on that? Because I think for, for me for 2016, like I want to play as many games, as many different types of games as possible, more so even than, than 2015. Um, but I'm not sure, like, it's still like at the end of the day, it's going to cost real money to play these things. Like we're not, <laughs> we don't get paid anything to write for yeah. We The Nerdy, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's still like out of pocket stuff to, just give these things a chance. So what is that sort of like in terms of like the yearly cycle for you? I, because, because I do this for fun, uh, we the nerdy, I do it for fun. I do it because I like writing. I do it like, I do like expressing my opinion, be it vocally or written. Um, so I, you know, I do that because I, I just, I just do it. And I, I love, I love analyzing things. I love critiquing things. I love breaking things down mm-hmm. and, and, and seeing how they work on that level. I do it for film. I do it for video games. And so with Bloodborne, I wasn't excited. The thing is, I'm not like that. I'm not like, I won't, I don't care to play as many different experiences as possible. I know what I like. I'm willing to try something, you know, with Bloodborne, it was like, it was, I, like I said earlier, I'd use Gamefly. And uh, there was nothing else out, so it came out, and I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. I had never played a Souls game before. Uh, I played like 30 – like a, probably about a minute of Bloodborne at an event, and I got killed because I didn't understand what it was or what it was doing. It felt like a hack and slash thing, which I'm not really into. And uh, so when I tried Bloodborne, I don't know. I just I just kind of stuck with it, and I was like – the challenge was there and it kept pulling me in and going, no, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And I then, you know, ha- you know, a week and a half later, I'm like, I'm, lo- I'm in love with the game. Um, and then I, and then I did get a review. We did get a review copy of Dark Souls 2 Scholar of the First Sin for Xbox One. And I, I played that and I really enjoyed that, but I enjoyed Bloodborne more. Um, but it was just like, and it's cool now because I have this new experience and I know that I said, uh, I don't, try to play as many games as possible uh I, I just i play as many games as i want to as possible like i'm not really that interested in trying the thing is like bloodborne it was a rental from gamefly so i could have sent that back and it wouldn't have cost me much of anything it would have cost money but it wouldn't have been 60 bucks mm-hmm. you know what i mean and if if I had to pay sixty bucks for every single game. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't play nearly as many games as I play. I, I you know, that's why I have GameFly so that I can get to get these experiences, uh, as many experiences as possible. So I don't have to pick and choose quite as, as uh, judiciously when I get, you know, when I have a list of games in front of me. Um, you know, so it's it's hard because, like you said, like we don't get paid for this. So when you know, but I want to be as informed as possible. But at the same time, like uh, you know, uh, it's funny. We posted our our top ten list on on uh, game on uh, N4G, and uh, somebody commented like, "Not one Nintendo game from 3DS or Wii U <laughs> journalism at its finest." And I wrote very clearly in the article how we came up with our top ten list, and it was saying that like 
this is based on who, who voted for what. So if somebody didn't vote, like there's some people put Splatoon, some people put Mario Maker, they just weren't high enough on the list. Mm-hmm. And if they, and, and they didn't get enough votes across the board. And the problem is, is that we don't, we aren't a big company that has like, you know, an office where we can go in and be like, all right, I'm going to play this Wii U game because we have office consoles. You know, this is all based on our own enthusiasm for these platforms. And I don't have any enthusiasm for Nintendo's platform. So I'm not going to buy one just so I can play Nintendo games. Mm -hmm. You know, like I need to justify my purchases and to me spending $250 on a machine I'm going to use twice a year. Isn't justifiable to me. Yeah. You know, and I know I'm going to use my Xbox more. I know I'm going to use my place my PS4 more. So it works. For, it works out better for me and my budget. And you know, unfortunately, like I would love to have as many platforms as possible and be able to dabble in everything. If I was getting paid to do this as a, for a living, I would. Uh, but I'm not. I have to work a real job, and then I have to do this on my free time. So. Yeah, well, I, I actually quite like the way that it all kind of came together. Uh, I'm definitely a numbers guy. I'm a, I, I work in spreadsheets pretty much all day when I'm not playing games. So the way that it was kind of like put together and we've got, I think we had probably five or six writers kind of submit. Six writers. Yeah. So they were all able to, it's not that it was any individual person was like against Nintendo. It definitely had its chance across the writers who were submitting their votes for it. Like I had, yep. I had Super Mario Maker on mine, but you're absolutely right. Like it wasn't high. I think it was like right in the middle, uh, if not on the lower end. Um, I don't think that really, if you're to look at, uh, if you're to take 10 gamers in a room, you're not going to come up with a Nintendo Wii U game. It's just, it's, the numbers are against Nintendo. There are not enough games. Yeah, there's just not, the, yep. You know, like, there's not enough consoles out in the market. Well, and there's not enough, like, there are really, if you're, if you're generous, there are two contenders that could be within a, somebody's top 10. But if they're considering, and if they're really honest, they should be considering 3DS, Vita, and then all of the home consoles as well. And so to say you absolutely need to have a Wii U among how many hundreds or if not thousands of games that came out, you've got two on this one console. Like it's, I think it's more than understandable that, that Super Mario Maker or Splatoon didn't end up on it. Unless you're a Nintendo fan. And you prefer Nintendo over everything else, and then you're not going to feel represented. But the thing is, is that it's just like I, I, I did this. I, I came up with our top ten list in the most fair way possible. I weighted every number one pick with double the points, so that basically it would be twenty points. Uh, and the reason why I did that is because everybody picked Fallout Four, but nobody picked Fallout as their number one game of the year, and that wound up being our number one game of the year. And I didn't think that was representative of our opinion of that game. Um, so I said, I'm going to wait the number one games so that they mean more so that they, they make it higher on the list. And it just so happened that three of us picked bloodborne as number one. And so it had, and there was, I think four votes for it. Somebody had it at number like eight or number seven, on their list, so that gave it seven points, and then three people picked it number one, so it had 67 points, so it had the most amount of points voted on the thing. Fallout was the only game that was voted across everybody's list. Uh, but again, it was lower, so I didn't feel like that was representative. 
you know, of of it being a number one game. It was it was a number four game across the board. Then it shouldn't be the number one game. You know what I'm saying? Totally. I want to. I want to. I asked Andrew about this as well, but I'm I'm curious about your opinion on it. Like this for me was a really awesome exercise because I really gave it a whole ton of thought about what does it mean to be like a game of the year. And I think when people talk about Bloodborne, the first thing that you're always going to hear is just how difficult it is and how it's not going to hold your hand and how it's hardcore and all these all these sort of elitist sort of kind of descriptors follow Bloodborne. And and for some reason, I was thinking that those are reasons to not make it a game of the year. And it didn't make any that doesn't make any sense that it's like the gamiest game of the year. And because it's so difficult, you're, you're not going to reward it. Like I had a really, like, I thought about this a ton. And so I'm curious about as to your process about like what makes a game of the year. You kind of talked a little bit before about how gameplay trumps story and, and presentation, that kind of thing. Um, what was it this year for you that kind of like you, you know, this is what a game, this is what being a game of the year means. You know, I mean, for me every year, it's just a game that I know that I've enjoyed more than any other game. The game I think about the most, the game I want to play the most, the game I, it's just something that about the overall experience. And the, you know, in 2013, my favorite game was Tomb Raider. It wasn't The Last of Us. The Last of Us had the best story. But the gameplay was just okay. Where Tomb Raider had, didn't have a great story, but the gameplay was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And last year for me, it was Titanfall. Titanfall was my favorite game of the year. I had so much fun playing it. I think it was mechanically sound. I think the map, like everything, I think it executed on its ideas perfectly. And this, with this year with Bloodborne, it was just, it was far and away the best game I ever played. Like I, I couldn't rate it. 10 is the highest I can rate it. If I could rate it higher, I would. I just enjoyed it that much. Uh, everything about it. So that's usually how I pick my game of the year. I just pick, and it's easy for me because I'm a numbers guy and I always rate games. I rate, you know, I go, this is what I would give a game. Even if I'm not reviewing it, I put a number on it. Yeah. And then it just falls in a list based on the number that it got. You know what I mean? So it's very easy for me to do that. I'm a very, like, um, analytical kind of person that way, you know? Uh, but what I, how I give the score is based on my enjoyment of the game, like, uh, plus minus and all this other stuff. Uh, Bloodborne, it's just, to me, it's, 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 it's the best game I ever played. So it was just a no brainer for it to be the number one game of 2016, uh, 2015 for me. Nice. I want to talk a little bit more broadly about kind of reviewing games as a hobby and, and you, You've mentioned a few times now how analytical you are. What is your like approach to, so you know you're sitting down to a game. Do you look at like every frame maybe a little bit differently or are you always sort of like on when it comes to playing a game? Are you always analyzing, always reviewing? Um, because you, you have a chance to talk about it all the time, whether or not it's going to be a written review on a website or it's going to be something you talk about with Rory on Game Over Man. Like, what is your approach to playing games when you're not reviewing versus reviewing? Are they different? Are they the same? Um, I'm if I'm playing a game just for fun, I tend to be a little more, a little more lenient. Um, like I'm not reviewing Fallout, so I'm just talking just about my overall experience with it. But and I didn't review Bloodborne either. But I but I knew that. Like I would talk about it so much, and especially when the conversation comes up and people, so many people are saying Witcher Three is the game of the year, and I'm like, well, I mean, it's not a very good game. Like it's <laughs> it's it's just not a good game. Like it's good storytelling, maybe good writing, 
but it's not the the active the actual game part of it isn't very good. It's okay, uh, and I don't think that's worthy of game of the year. Where Bloodborne is a great game, it's mm-hmm. an amazing game. Obviously, this is my opinion, uh, but it's just uh, but I feel like to, you can do, demonstrate like a one to one. Like if I press my button, it does this and it it does it perfectly. And you know, if any mistakes that I make are mine, it doesn't feel like I'm wrestling with the controls, and that's not how i felt about witcher and so it's it's like you know and they're 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 the reason why i compare them is they're both action rpgs and you know with with a heavy focus on combat you know so one game does it better than the other and that to me is more important than than storytelling and stuff like that in a game like video of it i can read a book i can do all that mm-hmm. other stuff so i don't know it's just i i i i'm analytical by nature but you yeah, know, it's I can't I can't avoid that. That's that's it's not like I started analyzing games because I was re- reviewing them. I started reviewing them because I was analytical. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. So do you like are you taking notes or are you just so what this is jumping to movies just for a second. But this was something very telling. I don't know if anybody uh, anybody who's new to this podcast and hasn't listened to Game Over Man should check out when you and Rory talked about Mad Max because mm-hmm. Like that for me was like, that was kind of like an eye opener for that podcast when I was, I was thinking like, there's no way I, 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 if I watched that movie yesterday, there's no way I could walk you through beat for beat what happened. Yeah. And you kind of just like, like it was almost like a, a an oral storyboard. <laughs> it was unreal. And I, I'm like, I just don't process things that way. Like I'm more like if I write something down it's more likely to be committed to memory but i found that that doesn't really help me in reviewing either because i never go back to the notes i still end up going back to kind of like an overall like what was that game like so like is it just like as you're as you're is it the same as with mad max where as you're watching it's just locked away in your in your memory banks forever or is it different for games what's that like uh well i mean not forever but a movie has to make a really really good impression on me and and Mad Max made a good impression on me. It was just not, it was just, it was just from beginning to end. But it was, uh, but yeah, just, I mean, that's something too. Like ever since I was a kid, I was, um, my mom and dad took me to movies my whole life. I was a very young age, uh, no matter what it was. I'd seen R-rated movies when I was five and, and, you know, just, I just loved the movie theater experience and movies in general. And then, uh, when I was about 12, I went to see uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, and it was the first time I ever became aware of the movie, the relationship between the movie and the audience. You know, it wasn't just like a story being told that I watched and it was cool when I walked out. It was the first time I realized what they were doing with editing, manipulating with sound and scares and, and making people laugh and the rise and fall of tension and stuff like that. And I just came – after that, I became super fascinated with the with the craft of filmmaking and stuff like that. So uh, so I always started watching movies like that and that's why I started – that's why I went to film school and and that's why you know I, I just really, really enjoy breaking things down that way. Like – don't get me wrong. I can enjoy a poor, a badly made movie just because it's a, so entertaining or so bad it's good or any of that stuff. If I like the concept enough and I like enough of the, ex- the execution of the ideas, but for the most part, I guess I am always. I mean, Rory made a comment about that too. He's like, "Wow, you can go beat for beat through the movie," and it's just it's not something that I just, it's just something that I do. I recall things that I really enjoy like very very clearly. Yeah. Well, it's very impressive. It's got to help out with, with reviewing something. You probably like sit down and then just kind of like blurt it out. Is that kind of like I, I sit and mull over it probably 
too long. It probably overcooked some of my reviews. But is it is it a fairly quick? It, like you you finish the game and you move over. Like I remember you talk about Star Wars and you really had to like process before you formulate it. Is uh, your opinion on it? What's it like well, for that games was... when? Or is it for just because Star... of the importance of Star Wars? Yeah, it was just Star Wars was a very important movie to me, and and things happened in that movie that made me question, you know, things like uh, their decisions and stuff like that. And Star Wars is like I've seen Star Wars more than any other movie, uh, so there's things that are aesthetically that are different that I had to come to terms with and stuff. And I just had to really process a lot of the stuff. Like I had problems with the story, but I really really liked the characters, and so it was like I had to go back and see it again with on its terms before I could realize how I felt about it. Cause I didn't want to just blurt out the first thing I felt. And it's very rare that that happens. Usually I, I know as soon as I leave a theater, what, what I'm going to give a movie, how like, and how I feel about a movie and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, to we- me, I, I think that the best reviewers, whether it be for movies or for games, I think the best reviewers are the ones who can quickly formulate that, that opinion. And, like it turns out to be right. Like some people might come up with just blurt something out, like you say, and it'll be they're gonna have to be backtracking a little while. Like, ah, oh, maybe I misspoke, or maybe I, I I should have thought about that a little bit longer. Um, it seems like you're able to kind of like really quickly, like you, you either get it, like you get it, and then it's you're able to say, yeah, thumbs up or thumbs down, pretty quick. Yeah, no, I, it's just I, I mean, I don't, I, I, everyone has a different way of doing their things and i'm not gonna say one way is better than the other some people want to some people do take notes i don't take notes uh occasionally i'll take a note on a video game if there's a point i really really want to stress in the review uh, mm-hmm. but for the most part i just kind of sit there and go okay this is what i felt about it this is how my experience is i i try to put a little dedicate a little bit apart to like how the game plays and then how that relates to my experience but for the most part it's always about what i want how I enjoy the game itself and, and, you know, analyzing the, the mechanics and, and if, if this thing, the, one of the things I don't really like, unless it's huge, a huge, 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 huge problem, uh, things like frame rate and stuff don't really affect my, yeah, my enjoyment of a game. I, I, it objectively they should, but, eh, like if it's, if, if I'm playing a game for 30 hours and I experience maybe like, five minutes worth of frame rate issues, I'm not going to bother like even yeah. mentioning that. So it's like, you're reading like the words right off of my pad of paper here. Cause you said the word ob- objectively. And, uh, like, I, I, I wonder like how you're able to keep, make, maintain sort of like objectivity versus being kind of like it being objective can, can lead to being sort of boring. Where you're just kind of like talking about facts about the game where it's more than just that. Like it's more than just the sum of its parts. It's about how it all kind of comes together. So like I, I commend you on a lot of your reviews. You're able to kind of keep it objective, but it reads as if I either like I'm, I'm being led down a path to I should be playing this game or I shouldn't. And I'm not bogged down with statistics or like how many missions or, you know, things like that. Well, I mean, that's 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 something that I'm very 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 uh opinionated about in terms of like the difference between subjectivity and objectivity you can enjoy something and your enjoyment of something is entirely subjective uh but it's based on the objective you know what i mean like uh so if i can sit here and 
go down and try to incorporate both. Like this is objectively how it was and subjectively this is how it made me feel. So this is where, you know, mm. that's how I try to me- bridge the gap between the two. I don't think, I don't, I don't subscribe to this whole things where all art is subjective. Um, yes, your, your opinion of it is your, your, how you feel, how it makes you feel is, is entirely subjective, but there's a reason why, and that's objective. You know what I mean? So it's just hard mm-hmm. to, like, when people just refuse to acknowledge that, like, I'm, I don't, I don't listen to Celine Dion, right? I'm not, she, I'm not a fan of her music, <laughs> but objectively, she's a really good singer. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you can't yep. say she's not a good singer. So people think that because they like something, it's good, and if they don't like it, it's bad, and that's just not, that's just not how it works. So, yeah, I've always liked how you kind of put that. So, uh, and I don't know that really anybody kind of articulates ah, it like people that. People reject so. it though. People don't ever want it. Like, and I, I, it's fine if they don't, but just don't like, you know, when, when people argue with me about opinions, it just makes me want to fucking <laughs> way more. Just, it's just like, <sighs> so what's, what's the most memorable and by that I mean, what's the worst, like just most ignorant comment somebody has made on one of your reviews or some one of your sort of like one of your posts or something like that? Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't really pay attention to that stuff, honestly. Like, yeah. you would think I would, but I don't. Um, I'm just appreciative that they read it and have an opinion. Uh, but if you know, cause I mean, that's what we're all trying to do. We're trying to be heard. So he heard me. He might not have listened. He might not have like liked what I said, but he heard me. And, you know, just saying, I mean, just my, my, my number one thing is just basically like, like I mentioned the guy earlier saying that there was no Wii U game. He clearly didn't read how he came up with the list. Like it's explained yeah. in a paragraph, very dry, but very simple how we came up with the top 10 list. So if he's going to read the list and comment on whether or not there was a Wii U game there and then say journalism at its finest, well, first of all, a list isn't journalism. It's, an, it's a bunch of opinions. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's nothing journalistic about stating your opinion. Um, and then it's just we had a formula and it, these games didn't make the cut because of the formula. And it's just that simple. We don't sit in a room and deliberate the way Giant Bomb does. You know, would you want to do that? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> never, never, never. And I don't think anyone would want to. Wait, do wait, that wait. Tell me. me how you really feel. Like, are you sure? <laughs> I don't think anyone would want to do that with me. Because I think it would be awesome. But I, I mean, I think it's going to be one of those things where you have to set aside a ton of time because, yeah, we're probably going to have to sit and be quiet for a little bit before you, uh, we could get our turn. But I think it would be so much fun. I, I love that the Giant Bomb guys did that and were able to record like the whole thing. Well, they do for that anybody who's willing year, to listen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it was for fr- anybody who's willing to listen. It was frustrating this year because I, I know a lot of a lot of the guys did like Bloodborne, and all of a sudden they were just like not behind it, and then. Just uh, Alex Navarro was uh, saying was really behind Assassin's Creed, and he didn't like Ori or Bloodborne. And I'm like, why is he here? Why do they? It's just really frustrating. So I, I just, I, I would rather not do that. It would just, it's just this is a very simple, fair way to do it. No one's, no one's, no one's feelings get hurt. No one has to be agitated. No one gets angry. It's just like, hey, this is math. You can't argue with math. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it really made you think about how you were going to rank things too. You don't just like go, this is my number one game of the year and everything else is just random order. Mm-hmm. Like it actually did matter as it turns out. Yeah. 
Absolutely, so. absolutely. And and that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. Like you got to list it in number one because everything's going to have a point. And then like based on like the position on your list, it's going to have a point. And so the lower – if you really, really like a game, it needs to be higher on your list. Otherwise, it's not going to have a chance of making it to the top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed that whole that whole – exercise i thought that was great um we're coming up on somewhere around 50 minutes here so i, I don't want to keep you too much longer um but i want to know based on how awesome i thought 2015 was amazing i i really thought you know if you looked at all of the six writers top 10 lists you, you mentioned fallout 4 was the only one that showed up on everybody's list so that means that all of us had a great time with different types of games um what do you think about 2016 and what we're what we're positioned to experience in the next, well, 11 and a half months or so. Uh, I think, I think, I mean, I don't know. Like it's, I mean, I, dude, if you would ask me in January that Bloodborne was going to be my favorite game of the year, it would have laughed in your face. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, if you would have told me after I played Ori that something was going to be better than, than, than that, I was going to laugh in your face. It's just so, I mean, and Tomb Raider was my most anticipated game of the year, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and it wound up being the third favorite game of the year. So I don't know. Like, I don't like to really do that because I have no idea. Like, I'm really excited for, for, for a lot of games. I'm really excited for a lot mm-hmm. of movies. Uh, like, again, Star Wars came out this year, and Creed was my favorite movie of the year. You know what I mean? So yep. I would have never guessed that. So it's it's just – it's, I just I just look forward to experiencing it all. You know what I mean? Like I look forward to finding that game that I'm like, wow, this was the best game I played or this was the best movie I saw this year. I'm really looking forward to that experience. And that's that's pretty much all it can do. Yeah, and it sounds like the best way to go about doing that, experiencing that it that way is through like a Gamefly. So this episode is brought to you by Gamefly because I think I've been just <laughs> I, so I really it. recommend Gamefly <laughs> and if you can if you can swing it, even if you could just do one game a month you're still going to play mm-hmm. 12 games a year and it's going to be 15 bucks and it, like if you think about you spend 60 bucks on a game you can play 12 games in a year for 15 bucks and it, all you have to do is game the system and it's very easy to do you just don't put any old games on your list only put new releases before they come out and then if you, they don't have any other option they're going to, they want your money so they're going to send you the new release you know what i mean so I just Googled it and it actually changed from Gamefly to GameAccess.ca. So if you're in Canada, this episode is brought to you by GameAccess.ca. Uh, I think I might have to do this. I, I think this might be the next, the next step to playing pretty much as much as I possibly can. Yeah. Save your, save uh, your purchases for the indie games because you can't get them through disc and any disc based game, you know, unless you, unless it's something you really know you're going to like Uncharted. I'm not buying Uncharted. Uncharted is my favorite, like my one of my favorite game franchises. But I'm not playing. I'm not buying it because I know I'm going to beat it, and I'll probably get a platinum in that game within a week and a half. You know what I mean? So I don't unless they do some obnoxious thing like they did with the, the Last of Us uh, multiplayer, where you had to play it for like 40 hours. I was like, no thanks. Uh, but like, yeah, not kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, or at least I'll get, I'll, I'll play, have played through it like three times in, in a week and a half, and then I'll be done with it. So I don't really want to hold on to a game like that. Like the games I'll hold on to is games like Call of Duty or, or, or Fallout, which I know is going to be hundreds and hundreds of hours of playing the game. Mm-hmm. But for single player games that I'm going to wrap up real quick, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to buy Dark Souls 3 because I know I'm going to play the hell out of that. So it's, it's just, it, it's just a matter of, but for, for single player games, 
I think Gamefly is, is the best thing you can possibly do. Well, I love that I'm doing this show because I want to be able to kind of get a sense from all these different people of how they consume this stuff because nobody does it the same way. In the last year, I kind of made a similar sort of conscious decision of I'm going to do, th- I'm going to buy this way for these types of games. I'm going to buy this for these other types of games. So I, I kind of realized like there were certain games that no matter what point in the year, I might just want to play them. And for single player games with a beginning and an end, um, those are disc based games for me. Like I will, it's a, it's a visual thing. It's a physical thing, a tangible thing where I go, I put the disc in and I am in the game. Mm-hmm. When I am done, I take out the disc, I put it in the case, I put it back on the shelf and it becomes part of my collection. But there were so many times within the last, well, 2015 and, and 2014 as well too, where, you know, I'd be online, I'd check my, my friends list and see what everybody's playing. And I'd be like, you know what? I'm too fucking lazy to go grab that Titanfall disc. But really, I want to play it. But, and if so, if a game, if multiplayer game, was digital i would be playing it more often so that's kind of like the shift that i've made in the last little bit and i'm probably just one more step over from from renting games and totally be i don't know why but like i have like this weird like mental stop on renting games um but you kind of go like i'm gonna rent uncharted i'm like that's crazy to me but i don't know why doesn't make any sense i mean the thing is i'll because I, I know i'll buy it used later on down the road when it's like 10 bucks and put it in my collection you know what i mean like it's oh just, nice one yeah it's it's just but it to me it's a matter of i don't have a lot of money and i don't you know and i'd rather you know there's other things i need to spend money on like bills and stuff like that so i'm gonna <laughs> enjoy this recreational thing that i do but i'm gonna do it in the most affordable way possible so that's just how it works for me well, I love it. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up right there. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. I know you've got so many things going on oh. and working everything. So thank you. Thank so you much. for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Holy cow. I can't believe I even put that whole thing back together. Thanks for sticking it out, you guys. Um, I have another episode in the pipe ready for next week. A guy named Josh Brandt. I had a wonderful chat with him, so look forward to that next Monday. Uh, in the meantime, you can look on wethenerdy.com for my reviews of Oxenfree and Gone Home. I played both of those over the weekend. So have a have a read. Let me know what you think. Shoot me a text, and by text I mean Twitter slash tweet or whatever the kids are doing on the internet these days. I'm at Sean Capri. That's Sean like Connery and Capri like the pants. Until next time, I will talk to you guys later.